you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront of making disciples, of indoctrination in godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening, allowing us to spend this hour of your day with you. We appreciate Mm -hmm. it. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And D. Youngblood and J. Mac are on tap to help us navigate the show. Today is Marriage Family Life Conference Emphasis Day. And so all across all of the programs on American Family Radio Network, you've been hearing talk about the Marriage Family Life Conference. Uh, It's one of those things that um, is so dear to us, the the inception of it, um, the the I don't know, I guess the growth, the the expansion, the development of the, the conference is something that we have taken very seriously and trying to preserve the integrity of why we even do the conference to begin with. Um, Nobody really has a whole lot of interest in just busy work. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a lot of work to do it. Um, But several years ago we saw a need, we saw an Mm -hmm. opportunity to respond to our listeners in a really practical way uh, based on some of the questions that we were repeatedly getting Mm -hmm. about um, how to navigate the culture and how to equip our kids to navigate the culture. And so we thought, man, you know, um, let's, let's just see if we, if we held an event Mm -hmm. and we had a track for kids. So from the very beginning, this wasn't an afterthought from the very beginning, we had a youth apologetics track. That's right. Um, and and we thought if we just gathered just the voices that you hear on uh, Urban Family Talk, American Family Radio, mm-hmm. uh, at the time, then you know would people come? And correct me on this if I'm if I'm wrong, Will the Great. Mm-hmm. But I, I think the first year did we have nearly 500 people? No, no, we actually no. had um, we had we had a little over 300. It was 300. And we had people. 50 50 children, about okay. a little over 50 children in the, in the uh, youth apologetics track. So that was incredible to us. Yes. <laughs> Just to tell you, that was incredible to us. Yes. And then the next year. The next the year we the had year? like a little bit over 500. Okay. Okay. Yes. So the next year, I, for some reason I had that number in my mind. So that's the second year that we did the conference. One of the things that we were talking, <laughs> this sounds like a, uh, sounds like one of those cool name drops, but really it was an interview. Uh, so we were talking to Todd Starnes the other day and uh, <laughs> it was an interview. We were talking about <laughs> the Marriage Family Life Conference and Will the Great and I both. And uh, and he asked a question, you know, he said, it seems like people um, attending conferences has kind of waned a little bit. People are not really um, seeking to do that. But you guys continue to show growth in your conference. You know, is what why? Like, what do you to what do you attribute uh, that? And and I would say, first of all, just the will of God. Like, it, I mean, the Lord yeah. is is he reigns supreme over everything that we do. But then I think that the Holy Spirit leads us in the content and those who are to be the invited guests. So yeah. we don't look for the biggest names, by the right. way. Right. Um, and, you know, when we have years where the Lord places somebody on our heart and and then we try to reach out to them and they're able to be a part of it. If people happen to know them, you know, mm-hmm. and a large like a large number of people know them, we call that popularity. That's not why we reached out to them. That's right. We reached out to them. Because they have been speaking in the vein where we believe the Lord is inviting us to labor. Yeah. And so I think that that resonates with 
with our listeners. I think it re- resonates with people who um, recognize the time that we're living in. That's so true. anyway, the Marriage Family Life Conference is coming up July 6th, 7th, and 8th. Mm-hmm. And we'd love for you to join us here in Tupelo, Mississippi. Again, it's not um, it's not just to conference. It is to be very intentional about the way that we equip you. Yes. And hopefully equip your children. If you've got children, grandchildren, um, they are all welcome. Now, listen, every member of the body of Christ is welcome to attend this event. So yes. often people have thought that it was only for families with kids still at home, right. you know, something like that, or that you had to be married to attend. No, it's it's for every believer, Yeah, every believer to be fortified. And that's why I think it's so important for us to have the number of speakers that we do speaking uh, to different areas of yeah. Christian living. And definitely, I think everyone will get something out of it. Um, if you are single, man, you can come. You know, you will get something out of it because we're, we're talking about uh, different issues that's, that confronts all of us today. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of the biggest things about the conference is the atmosphere there. Uh, mm-hmm. It always has felt like a family reunion, even uh, as it has grown. Um, and we all need uh, encouragement, you know, because there's a lot going on and we need to know uh, the body of Christ. And this is just a little small piece, you know, of us coming together like minded and saying, hey, you know, these are different issues that we're facing you know, I'm facing the same issues. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we have speakers like like you said. It never was about getting the biggest name speaker. It, it, it's really about who's going to minister uh, to the people that come. And so, That's exactly you right. know, we praise God that uh, up until this point, and we believe for the same thing this year mm-hmm. that God has ministered through every mm-hmm. uh, speaker. You know, and uh, we it's not about the glitz and the glamour and all. It really, <laughs> it, it's a it's a I guess if you compare it to conferences, I haven't been to many, a lot, many conferences, but I would say that this is a true, truly a family conference Absolutely. that would be something for your children and not just, you know, uh, times to play, even yeah. though they would have that. But real apologetics, you know, coming from uh, some some great teachers, uh, we desire that people would experience God, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that God would speak uh, to to uh, families, you know, yeah, to the children yeah. and to the parents that God, you might have some questions that you've been asking God. And I, I believe that at this conference, God will speak to those those questions. And and you will also be encouraged by like minded believers being yes. able to say, like, I'm not the only one That's that right. feels this way, yeah. you know. And so it's, it's really the, the atmosphere, the encouragement around it. I, I feel like it's, it's, man, second to none. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's like what I hear consistently is that it feels like family getting together, like a family reunion, you know, and which is which I think is interesting because we are a part of our various like um, congregations and assemblies. Yeah. But there are so many believers who are a part of their local assemblies because of obedience to the scriptures, mm-hmm. but they recognize that, man, there's some issues that are not being addressed, you know? And so when you gather with other believers who are saying, yeah, no, you should be concerned about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, the, yeah, that's biblical that you should be concerned about that. It's just refreshing. I want to, um, I, I want to talk about some of the topics that are going to be presented to our youth this year. Mm-hmm. And as I go through these topics, you can see why I was uh, strongly suggesting that I might need to take this track, okay? Because the content, I mean, my goodness, like this this is what I feel like we should have always been doing with our kids, uh, having real genuine interactions with them whereby we equip them to live in the culture that they exist in, not the culture that we grew up in, but the culture that they are in right now. So the Youth Apologetics track is for ages four to 17, and mm-hmm. it's uh, cut in half. I say cut in half, but there are two tracks within that 
Y-A-T track. So you've got the ages 4 to 12, 4 to 12, and then you've got 13 to 17, right? Yes. So here are some of the topics for those that are going to be in the 4 to 12 track, mm-hmm. all right? Foundational truths in Genesis, mm-hmm. tackling creation, the historical account of the flood, the fossil record, the culture of death, messianic prophecies. We'll discuss several Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah and how they were fulfilled during his life, death, and resurrection, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Who is Jesus? The hypostatic union. Now, (laughs) okay, I'll just keep going. They're going to discuss the resurrection. Mm -hmm. Then in uh, the age group, the 13 to 17-year-olds, here are some of the topics that they're going to be exploring. Faith, sexuality, and gender in the age of living your truth with Dr. Kathy Cook. Mm. The age of living your truth with Dr. Kathy Cook. Excavating the evidence for Jesus with Dr. Titus Kennedy. Mm. Abortion 101 with Bethany Bomberger. Science confirms biblical creation with Dr. Jason Lyle. Mm. Christians and pop culture with Israel Wayne. Biblical history with Catrice Addison. That name might sound familiar. <laughs> That's our sister. Yeah. She is not teaching this course because she is our sister. (laughs) Let me say this. She is teaching this course because there was an oversight in the schedule last year. Yeah. And we had a gap. And so we needed someone to step in. So one of our speakers, there was a there was a problem with the flight. And so he was he had he was going to leave. He wasn't going to be there because he had to get back because of his flight. And so we were like, wait a minute. We we have a class that needs to be taught. And. Will the Great's sister is an incredible researcher when it comes to the historicity of the Bible and Mm -hmm. the evidence of the Bible. And so she said, I mean, I could teach it if you want. (laughs) We have not stopped hearing about this class. Yeah, like it really loved it. It was top rated. And I I mean, it was a surprise because not because we don't have confidence in. I mean, she also teaches our kids like we have confidence in her ability But we just, you know, it was one of those things where she just happened to have all of her content like on her laptop. And so she (laughs) taught the class and people kept saying more of this. Can you can you do more of this? And then on the Sunday following, there are usually people who, you know, hang hang out at our local fellowship. And so Mm -hmm. she taught that class on Sunday morning and it was largely attended again. And so we invited her to teach it um, in an official capacity this year. And she accepted. So. Um, more of that biblical history. Then there is a 100 day challenge with Mark Warren. We'll explain why the life and the ministry of Jesus still matters today and discuss how reading through the gospels in 100 days can help combat temptations. Journals will be included with that. And then conversational evangelism with Amy Warren, um, explaining how to engage others in thoughtful conversations about culture and faith while offering strategies for sharing God's truth with confidence and grace. So all of that, it's like taking all of the major cultural issues all of the things that are attacking our kids and equipping them, giving them a working understanding of how to engage the culture. That's what we want. We want yeah. them to understand yeah. how to live for the glory of God. So anyway, that's just sort of a, a quick little uh, background of what's happening with the youth apologetics track. And we invite you to prayerfully consider whether or not this is something that you'll want to attend, that you'll want your kids to be a part of. Um, we don't believe that children get in the way of ministry. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Children should be ministered to. That's right. And so that's front and center with the, um, the marriage family life conference. Also, I'll say this too. I I'm pretty, uh, I guess maybe partial, but, uh, I, I, I love the fact that, uh, people often comment that we're all just 
um, spending time together. Like you don't find people just hanging out in green rooms trying to get away from people. Mm. Whether that's good or bad. Some, <laughs> some people say, well, Miki's son, Timmy. But still, I mean, but <laughs> he's, I, I, I really believe he's going to be better this year, everybody. <laughs> so if you were there last year and you considered not coming this year because of Timmy, I just want to say I think he's going to be better. He's older and he's wiser and, uh, and he cries a lot less. In, yeah. in public <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> behind right. the scenes right. still a problem so anyway marriage family life conference you can learn more oh, um, by going to marriagefamilylife.net marriagefamilylife.net uh, we'll continue our discussion on the other side of the break <laughs> with dr lee brand as we talk about um the pastoral front looking at what's happening in the culture he's going to be presenting at the marriage family life conference so you'll get a little bit of a taste of that um, how important shepherds are today to mm-hmm. the body of Christ, defending Amen. and protecting the Lord's bride. Oh, my goodness. And we're going to have a conversation on the other side of the break. Before we go to the break, though, I want to share this email that uh, that Will the Great sent to me shortly after our program on yesterday. And this really did bless my heart. It's such an encouragement to get this kind of instant feedback to know that some of the content that we put out in real time made a difference in somebody's life and in the way that um, she and her husband will parent their children. So this is the email that we got. Um, and the, the subject of the email was just how, <laughs> with a question mark, <laughs> how. And so here it is. How did you know? I listened to your broadcast at 2 o'clock from my radio, 91.1 in Kansas. You started talking about Mr. Beast, and I have never heard of him. Then you said, quote, believe me, your kids have, just ask them, end quote. I thought, no way. I've never heard of it. Towards the end of your message on a commercial break, I asked my daughter, who is 12 years old, if she has ever heard or ever seen Mr. Beast on iPad. Quote, oh, yeah, mama, he's hilarious. (laughs) End quote. How did you know, Addison's? (laughs) This is incredible. Thank you for inspiring what's going to be a really good conversation in a few minutes with my sixth grader. Appreciate all that you offer families and children. Hope to see you and Ken Ham at the Ark. Signed. I don't know if I can say our sister. I'll just say JS. Okay, there we go. Just mm-hmm. sign JS. Uh, man, this really blessed my heart. And I'll tell you why. Because one of the things that we want to do on this program is we want to equip you to engage, not just to consume content, like not just to have a bunch of information that you store in the recesses of your mind, but to actually use the information that we're giving you so that you parent better, that you grandparent better, Amen. and all Amen. of this for the glory of God. And so to get something in real time like this, um, was just a real blessing to our heart. So thank you so much for taking a moment just to drop us that line. It, it really, really meant a lot. We're going to grab the break. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll be right back. There's a world full of mercy and peace. Mercy and peace waiting for me. There's a land for the lost and the least where they dine with the king waiting for me. Yeah, his holiness fills up the temples. Still, he took my sin and my shame. I didn't deserve to be rescued. Still, he has called me by name. I'll stay. Firm with confidence till he comes again, till he comes again. I keep my mind stay on it. 
Welcome back to um, Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. I almost forgot the name of the program. <laughs> oh, that's a problem. Welcome back to Aaron. It's just excitement to speak to our guests. That's what Dr. It is. Lee Brand, yeah, okay? Just, like, just because, like, he goes way back. I want to say that man. Dr. Brand, and we'll make formal introductions here, but I want to say that Dr. Brand goes back to the very first MFL conference. I think so. We had he the... was serving in Starkville, Mississippi. Yeah. And then he went on from there to serve as vice president and dean of the seminary at Mid-America Baptist Theological Seminary. And then he went on from there to serve, I, I want to say, in the Southern Baptist Convention as, as the vice president. First, right? vice president. Mm-hmm. And now he is senior pastor of Faith Baptist Church in Bartlett, Tennessee. And the moral of that story is attend MFL. And <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That's Stop. a joke, Dr. Brand. I'm just I'm just joking. The Lord oversaw all of the things that yes. he caused you to do. It didn't begin because of MFL. Um, did it? <laughs> did it? No, I'm kidding. Dr. Brand, thank you so much for joining us. We are super excited to have you speaking to um, the Marriage Family Life Conference attendees this year. Thank you. No, man, thank you all. Glad to be with you. So I, I kind of um, found a creative way to give a little bit of your background, but why not? Why not officially <laughs> uh, introduce yourself to some of our listeners, telling them a little bit more about what the Lord has used you to do in your 25, more than 25 years uh, in ministry? Yeah, I mean, man, my whole life is just a testament to, I mean, the grace of God um, coming from uh, what I consider humble beginnings. I grew up in a in a trailer park in a little town uh, just outside of Tupelo in Nettleton, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. And uh, in fact, my my dad still lives there. Um, but yeah, I've had opportunities to serve the Lord in many different capacities, and just grateful for any way that He would use me. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. That's wonderful. You know, one of the things that we wanted to spend some time talking with you about, not only um, mentioning the fact that you're going to be speaking at the Marriage Family Life Conference this year, but talking about the great need uh, for pastors to be equipping parishioners, to be equipping the body of Christ to stand in the culture that we're in. Um, As you have kind of like surveyed the landscape and look at what is happening in the church specifically where do you feel like pastors need the most encouragement? Um, I mean, that's a that's a great question. I guess it's kind of multifaceted, if you will. Sure. I think that there are, I guess I'll start with a disclaimer. I think there are many, many faithful pastors out there that don't Absolutely. get a lot of traction, airtime. Yeah. Their yeah. message is not going to get heard because people don't want to hear that. But I think just personally, one of the greatest places to encourage pastors is, man, just say what the Bible says. You you don't have to be afraid to say what the Bible says. You don't have to nuance. You don't have to take the edges off of it. Um, God, that's his word. He he gave it to us the way he wants us to have it and the way that it should be uh, shared. So, I mean, be encouraged just to preach the Bible. You know, there's a there's a lot of temptation, though. I mean, and when we hear that, I think that there are many pastors who would hear that and say, yeah, amen. And certainly there right. are parishioners who would hear that and say, yes, amen. We agree with that. Like, you know, but what does that look like in practice when you've got a culture that is 
um, incessantly pushing in on the church and saying that you've got to find ways to make space for rebellion, even in subtle ways. Now, I mean, there are the overt ways that we can see, you know, um, carving out for whatever we might call trans identified and all of these things that are very obvious. But what about things that are a little more subtle, like critical race theory, that kind of you never use those terms, but you you still find churches who are struggling to, as they would maybe call it, be relevant while maintaining that um, that scriptural integrity. Yeah, well, I, I think it goes back to I'm, I'm going to use a, a a word similar to the word you used, and that word is identity. I think mm-hmm. for pastors, I think for churches, we have to go back first and ask ourselves, where do we derive our identity? Is our identity carved out in what the culture thinks about us, or are we really finding our identity in the Christ who redeemed us? Because the world is going to have millions of labels to lay on all of us. Um, but it doesn't matter as much what the world thinks as much as it matters what God knows. And if we're going to be faithful to what he said and to what his standards are, I don't think our goal is ever to step up and try to offend. But we can't deny the fact that to a person lost in their sin or to a Christian struggling in sin, truth is offensive. Mm -hmm. And when we stand and we declare the truth, no, that's not our goal. But if, if I have to wound you, to help you, then so be it. And if that's me, if I need to be wounded to be helped, then by all means, wound me. Mm. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting that even putting it in those terms, I think some people hear that and and they kind of almost like, well, that's not loving. You know, like we, we kind of have this, this thought that <laughs> wounding is bad. You know what I mean? That hurting people is bad, that the truth will only be good to them, that it will only be like honey. Uh, sweet in their mouth, sweet in their ears. But we know that that's not true. We know that the reality is that if a person is in sin and if a person is told that you are in sin, that often doesn't feel good. It's, It's not something sweet to their hearing. And that's where going back to the straight edge of Scripture is really important, isn't it? Well, yeah. And I mean, if you take that analogy you made about uh, wounding, that's true in the spiritual and in the natural. If you go to a doctor and you have some sickness in your body, depending upon what it is and what steps they've got to take to get it out, surgery is just a nice word for wounding. For them to get that sickness out of your body, they have to wound you. It's it's a managed wound. It's, it's It's a specific wound in a specific place to handle a specific thing. But that doctor has to wound you to get the cancer out. That doctor has to wound you to fix whatever that thing is. And it's not just for the purpose of inflicting the pain. It's to start the process of healing. Mm-hmm. And the Word of God has that sharp edge. Uh, one, a, a friend of mine says in certain places the Bible can be a hammer, and in other places it can be a scalpel. Right. But by all means, use the weapon for what it's needed to be used for. <laughs> Amen. 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 I have this question, and I just, I'm just i wondering your take on it and how you might um, biblically respond to this question. Sometimes when I think of trends and I think of what's going on in the culture, I think that we have a lot of churches that may be filled with individuals who kind of feel like um, we need to we need to adopt the trends. You know what I mean? Like if there's something that is popular 
or seems to be, quote unquote, working to, quote unquote, build better churches. There are people who are kind of given to that. Are trends bad? Is that should we avoid trends as we look at the Great Commission and look at going out and making disciples? Or are there things that we can um, observe and even find useful in the culture? Well, I mean, I think that we have to be wise enough to look into the culture and assess it to see where it is, Mm -hmm. but for the purpose not of ever adopting it or mirroring the culture, but for the purpose of actually applying the medicine of the gospel and the truth to where the cut is, to where the issues are. So from that standpoint, I think it is imperative that we understand the culture, but not for the purpose of us assimilating to the culture. Um, I guess in the terms I use, Scripture is our base. It's our foundation. And where we get in trouble, I think, is when we move off the foundation of Scripture, trying to go step into a culture and pull people back to us. No, stand on the ground of Scripture. Mm. From that ground, reach into the culture and pull them to you, but don't ever step off the ground of Scripture trying to save them, because by doing that, you're going to be drowned with the culture. Yeah. Mm. What does that that look like, Dr. Brand? Like, when when we talk about... Um, maybe even some of the foibles that we've observed where there has been this stepping off of Scripture. Um, what does that look like, and how can faithful um, church members kind of recognize where maybe that's happened and then correct it? Well, I think, again, the Bible has to be where we start with all things. Sure. Whether that's assessing the culture, assessing ourselves, assessing our efforts, and I really think we would do ourselves a great service to go back to whatever we're doing and say, okay, where do I find the biblical justification for my thinking on this, Mm -hmm. for my approach to this? And so we start there. And then remember the nature of God himself. I Mm -hmm. think we tend toward focusing so much on on the fact that God is love that we don't ever put that in its right context. Yes, that is true, but God is not love at the expense of his holiness. He's not love at the expense of being just. He's all of those, and you can't... There there are two extremes to go to there. Mm -hmm. To say that God is love and that is it is to rob God of the many other attributes that he himself says he possesses. And on the other end, you can't interpret all the other attributes through the lens of that one. God yeah, is not uh, he's not a Lego man where you put these pieces together to build him. Mm. You know, and that statement that God is love runs in one direction. It doesn't say love is God. It says God mm. is love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And where we get in trouble is we try to, I think, say, well, let's turn that phrase around and anything that looks like love, that's got to be God. And that's not oh. true. The right. idea of what John is saying there, and, and it's fresh because I just preached it Sunday night, <laughs> is that what you see is everything you can possibly know about love you can find in God. Mm. Now, the inverse is not true. You can't look into love and find out everything you need to know about God because God is more <laughs> than love. So That's awesome. good. Amen, man. Okay, so I, I well, two, two more questions here. One of them, you can shoot me down, Dr. Brand, if you're like, I'm not, <laughs> if you're like, I ain't telling. I can take it. That's fine. Um, but do, do we know what direction, like we have a theme here. I'm not saying that, you know, that's any indication of what you're going to minister on, but 
can we have a sneak peek? Do you know where you're, where you're going this July as far as like what you're what you're going to talk about? Uh, in some way, shape, or form, it is going <laughs> to be uh, about just the centrality of family. That is ground okay. zero for spiritual warfare. It's not Amen. your church. It's not your small group. It is your family. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm so and happy to hear you say that. Yeah, but understand that we got to take that high ground back. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. if, if we believe the Bible, we say we're people of the Bible, the building block of every other societal entity is the home. It, mm-hmm. we, it doesn't matter what else we get right if we don't take that ground back. That's right. Well, I mean, believe it or not, my very next question was going to be alluding to the fact that you have five children. Am I right about that? Yes. You're raising five children. So my, my I guess my, my wrap-up question was going to be, as you look at what is going on in the culture, how are you fortifying your kids? How are you and your wife uh, taking the expectation of heaven that you will teach your kids of who God is? How are you taking that seriously? Which I think is a nice segue from what you've just said. Well, I mean, figuring out the ways to build your life around Scripture um, and and things and what that means, that means, okay, like actually having time to study the Word with my family, prioritizing prayer. We're a very active family. We have mm-hmm. kids going to soccer fields, baseball fields, and everywhere else. I mean, <laughs> we meet each other going out the door. Mm-hmm. But nothing takes the place of the Word of God. And then mm-hmm. also prioritizing being in and active in your local church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. that's where you learn to do life on life. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. Let me ask you this before we, we let you go. So you've been to MFL conferences. Were you at were you at twenty eighteen one? Did did you come to the first one? I'm I I'm I think so. Was that at Hope? I think yeah, it was at Hope. I feel like you yeah. were there. I, I've been coming for a long time. Yes. Yes. That. So let me yes. let me ask you this. As one who has attended the conference, you know, uh what would you have to say to someone who's thinking about coming and saying like, oh, I just don't know yet? But what, what would you say is a, a highlight for you and your family of being an MFL? Um, I, I could give you a bunch. Let me try to see if I can <laughs> find one. Uh, I mean, for real, like one of the things that is a blessing to me about the conference is getting to walk into a place where I actually feel the sense of biblical normalcy. And let me tell you what I mean by that. Wow. Sometimes we live on these islands where we think like, you know, we look at the world, we're reading the same Bible, but it seems like we're getting a way different understanding than a lot of other people who say they're reading the Bible. Right. And it's like, okay, am I weird? Am I reading this wrong? Am I reading the culture wrong? And then when you get to a place like the conference and you see people from all over the country who are there and it's like, no, 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 I'm not wrong. I'm not weird. Like that is what that says. And that's how we're supposed to be living. And so my family's not strange. We're just biblical. Amen. 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 T-shirt. Not strange, <laughs> just biblical. biblical. That's good. <laughs> visit our visit our table. That's coming to a T-shirt near you. <laughs> Credit Dr. Brand one time. That's it. You get a free shirt, buddy. That's it. Mm-hmm. No, I'm just kidding. But I do. But I do. I do love that. I'm telling you, not strange, just biblical. You just help so many people. Oh man, all the weird families are like, yes, that's us. We are just biblical. Dr. Lee Brand, thank you so much. We thank are looking you. forward to hearing what the Lord um, gives you to encourage us. Uh, we will.
keep praying for this conference and praying for you and your family as we get closer and closer. I want to let our listeners know that you can go to marriagefamilylife.net to learn more about the conference and learn about who some of the other speakers are. And if the Lord lays this on your heart, we will see you in Tupelo, Mississippi, July 6th through the 8th. We'll take this break and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. We appreciate you letting us spend this time of your day with you. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and there's Roy Tosh with Will. You know, there was a time when it was just Will the Great who would help me with my presentations. I could uh, bounce ideas off of him. I could show him those presentations and, and get his take on them. I think you should do this or maybe leave this out. Could you shorten that? That's not clear. What do you mean when you say that? You know, and, and those things were so helpful. And that seems like that was just a short time ago. But now here we are where we have the big three who, for both of us, um, they critique our presentations. Mm-hmm. And this becomes vitally important when we are going to speak directly to youth, right? So like when yeah. we are speaking to their age group, um, we have found it to be a real blessing that um, they are brutally honest, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. that if that if it doesn't <laughs> resonate with them, they're like, what does that mean? Like, why, <laughs> why are you saying that? I don't understand that reference, you know? So they, they keep us from using references that are too outdated to be understood, which there are some, right? And there are cases where I just say, you know what? I'll explain it when I use it because I'm still using it, right? Like, because it just fits. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we are talking with them. As we're getting ready, we're going to be in Paris, Tennessee tomorrow, and we'll be there through Saturday. And on Wednesday night, there is a special youth event that is happening. I think there's over a couple hundred kids who are registered to attend this particular event, and our kids are going to be a part of it. And so as I was showing them what I'm planning on talking about, we've already talked about the topic that um, what is asking the question, what is truth? And I was going through that presentation and kind of showing them some of the things. And, man, they just really kind of showed up with, here's what I think you ought to do. Here's the question that I have. Here, here's what I'm left wondering after this. Well, or I think this is too much. <laughs> or I think that that's okay. Or, like, the other question, like, so what's the age group here? To make sure that we all are on the same page and can understand what's happening in the culture. So I say all of that to say, uh, if your kids will be um, at Tennessee Valley Community Church, I think it's the name of the church that we're going to be at tomorrow. Um, the presentation will be brought to you in part by kids their age, <laughs> which is very humbling because I'm like I'm a speaker. So to have your <laughs> to have your kids look at your content and say, you know, I think you should take that out, but add this is is humbling. <laughs> but at the same time, I want I'm talking to them. Like I I want to know how you understand this. I want to know how you wrestle with this information. And I want to know if you're able to process it in a way that is meaningful and significant. So anyway, um, you can learn more by going to alexmcfarland.com, alexmcfarland.com. The week after that, the very next week, we are going to be in the Dallas-Fort Worth area at the Texas Homeschool Conventions. Um, the first one that is mm-hmm. happening in Dallas, in Dallas, and there's another one that's in Houston. That's we'll right. be at both of them. But the one, um, the 27th through the 29th, we will be at... Um, 
You can learn more by going to uh, Texas Homeschool Coalition's website and learn information about their conferences. We're really excited about this one, the one in Dallas, uh, because Dr. Ben Carson's going to be there. So we're just planning on hanging out with the the gifted hands. Um, I will say this. That's our plan. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, it's it's yeah. always humbling when you when you tell your kids, hey, we're going to this convention and Dr. Ben Carson's going to be there. And they're just like, does he know you? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, yet. he <laughs> doesn't know us, you know, yet. <laughs> and, and you know, and it's sad that he doesn't. Right. <laughs> and they're just like, no, not right. No. no. So anyway, make yeah. sure you also <laughs> check out the YouTube channel, because <laughs> if we can squeeze in an interview with Dr. Ben Carson, our aim is to get him to say, whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. <laughs> Anybody think we can do it? That's no, what I want to no, know. No, if anyone no, thinks Dr. we can ben, do it. Yeah, Secret Service, right? He was a part part of the. uh, See, I'm not going to run up on him. Don't don't do that. Here's the thing, Uh, Doctor Ben. He's got overt service too. Like there's secret service, and then there's also like stand back from the good doctor. Okay. (laughs) Um, Anyway, we'll see. But our our kids are excited about it, and hopefully they can they can swing an interview with Doctor Carson. They've got questions, and so if if we can do that, we'll post it for you. You'll be able to see. If not, they're going to interview me, which will be a big letdown. <laughs> it, nah, it is such a failure at all. Um, you know, but it's nah. just it's always neat when when your kids humble you. Right. Like you think you're doing something significant. They don't care. They don't care. I remember talking to them. Uh, we were on a, on our way to a trip. And then I'm going to uh, turn to this next news story here that I, I wanted to discuss. Um, we were on our way somewhere. And, um, you know, we were talking with Dr. Elvita King. And the kids were like, you know her? You, she's <laughs> dad. You have her number in your phone? And we're just like, well, I mean, we're friends. Right. Like, why do <laughs> you got to make us feel so bad? Like, you're no, just like, how in the world do you know that, Dr. Alvita King? Yeah, they, yeah. Anyway, what, what, that's what we're working with. I don't know what's happening in your home, but it's probably the same. Here we go. Not just Nashville. <laughs> Is it not the same? I write this story. I, I actually pulled this story last week mm-hmm. and um, I've been thinking about it and had it on my desktop. And I was thinking, like, how do you encourage the body of Christ with this information um, when really it's a challenge? Like what we're facing when we talk about the persecution of the Christian church in America, it's it's really there's um there's not a whole lot of encouragement in it. And when you add to the fact that we have a government that is largely ignoring the attacks that are happening on Christian churches, um, there's not a whole lot of encouragement to be found except to say, well, at least at least we know that this is happening. Right. So here is a story here. Very concerning. And and I think that many churches um, are responding to for their own safety and they have to. Right. The mass murder of six people at a church run Christian school constitutes. 2023's deadliest act of violence against churches, which have increased nearly three times this year compared to last year. Mm-hmm. A new report from Family Research uh, Family Research Council finds the number of anti-church attacks in 2022 had already tipped over four years. I'm sorry, tripled over four years, according to a previous report. So listen to this, this is where you get down into the breakdown of what's happening against Christian churches, against crisis pregnancy centers that are often run out of churches that are often backed by churches. So all of this um, information taken as a collection of data in all assailants attacked churches 69 times in the first three months of 2023. 
compared with 24 such acts during the same period last year. That's a 288 percent increase. Now, when when I read data like this, you know, I, I ask questions of the data, like what causes this type of increase? Like, why why do we see this happening? Well, I think one of the reasons that we see a 288 percent increase in attacks on churches is because when you can attack a church with impunity or when you can attack a church and be celebrated for that, Hmm. then why not? Like if you become the hero of society because you attack a Christian church, um, why wouldn't you? Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, why wouldn't you take an outlet for your anger, for your rage, for for whatever bitterness you feel? And and knowing that you're going to be celebrated, why would you restrain yourself? So I, I think this is why we see this happening in our society today, in our culture today. And Christian churches must take note. Like, I, you know, I, I want to be very careful here. But Christian churches must take note. I'll say that that way. The rising tempo of anti-Christian assaults, which includes arsons, bomb threats, vandalism and sacrilege, has affected places of worship in 29 states, 29 states. The motives behind such desecration run the gamut from pro-abortion activism or controversies over transgender ideology to apparently senseless acts of destruction. Mm. I know that this sounds like a broken record, uh, but I do believe that these things are spiritually driven. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I just, you know, there's I, I know that's like you guys always say it's a spiritual thing. Well, that's because it is. <laughs> right. That's because it's a spiritual <laughs> thing. It's also a spiritual thing to have governmental entities in place that ignore it. Mm. There's a message that's being sent to the Christian community. Right. Like like. And, and we did a program on this where the, the topic of, of discussion was no one's coming to help. Mm. Like no one's coming to help. Of course, the topic was the, the context of that conversation was different. But even as you look at our federal government and you look at what they are, quote unquote, willing to call a hate crime or or not. Right. All of this indicates that the Christians have largely fallen out of favor in the country that we live in. Right. And again, I know that is upsetting. Because we're like, we're a Christian nation. <laughs> Except and until it is revealed, hey, no, we're not. Come on. Yeah. Like, I, I know, mean, just how many yeah. times do we have to express that, right? Gotta, and this you got to yeah. be real and look at where we are. You know, like, I, I, that, that, that's one of those things that until we are ready to recognize where we are, you know, I don't think we will ever get any help. If we still feel like we're, you know, we're like when we first began. Right. Right. No, we're not. No, we're not. No, we're not. And and I'm going to tell you, I, I think that once we come to grips with where we actually are as a nation and what that means for Bible believing Christians. So that means the genuine Christians among us. Like once we come to grips with where we actually are, I think we're going to be more yeah. effective because we're going to engage better. Right. We're going to engage with greater effectiveness. Yeah. So the persecuted church was able to survive because it recognized its persecution. It recognized that it lived outside of the favor of Rome up until the point that it did. And then internally, the church began to suffer. But that is a church history jog. okay? but it's a reality (laughs) nonetheless. So what am I saying? I'm saying when we can point at all of these acts of violence Mm -hmm. perpetrated against the church, when we can point at all of these acts of violence perpetrated against crisis pregnancy centers here, most recently that went um, uninvestigated. In reality, I'm not talking about what you said you did. I'm talking about the reality of it is that they right. went uninvestigated. 
Like you could say, we're looking into this. There will be an investigation opened. But what's the result of that? Right. Like, what's the result of that? Like, and, and if you want to know how effective um, investigations can be, just look at the stuff that they that they care about. I mean, mm. like, you know, Trump. <laughs> like, if, if you want, I mean, they, they know they know when he had his first tooth extracted because <laughs> they opened an investigation because nobody's above the law. You will be held accountable. It's like, OK, but then <laughs> even making stuff up. You know, my like, goodness like the oh. tooth it was a gold tooth <laughs> guys i'm like i'm being facetious here but what uh. i'm what i'm saying is all of these things reveal to us that the christians the bible believing christians have fallen out of favor in the country in which we exist that is painful to experience it's painful to realize even more painful to express but the sooner we come to terms with that we're going to engage and deal better in this culture be more effective for the glory of god mm-hmm. if we if we stop saying that we have a padded life in this country now again i'm not i'm not saying that we are to begin even trying to um compare ourselves to Christians in Iraq and Iran right. or in North Korea. I'm, I'm not saying that. No, these things are different. But the reality is that this is not Mayberry anymore. Hmm. When you've got Christian churches <laughs> coming under attack with little to no impunity, then that is an open message. That is a message that is being communicated to anybody who would observe that it's happening that, hey, yeah, you, we'll look away. Go ahead and experience the summer of your rage hmm. or the moment of your rage and we will look away. Back to this article here. American churches um, are increasingly bearing the brunt of anger and aggression, whether that's from political or other motivations, as according to the report's author, Ariel Del Turco, assistant director of the Center for Religious Liberty at Family Research Council. This contributes to an environment of hostility toward Christianity. An environment of hostility toward Christianity. Now, can I say this, brothers and sisters who are listening to me, who have claimed the name of Jesus Christ? This can be tempting that we would live a less obvious life. It's very tempting, right? Like you you say, well, I don't want to be the object of someone's hostility. So like I'm going to live a less offensive life, right? Like I'm going to not be so in your face. But can I tell you, there's no such thing as a less offensive life when you are truly in Christ. Because you are going to come up, you're going to collide with the culture in such a way that you can't deny the reality of who Jesus Christ is, right? So, so then what happens? So then you are on the receiving end of the attack. You are on the receiving end of the persecution. Now, if you are going to um, hide your cross, okay, if you're not going to bear it, if you're going to hide your cross, then you can create a certain level of comfort for yourself in the meantime. But there comes a point that if Jesus Christ truly is Lord, it will be very uncomfortable for you to ungoingly hide your cross. Yeah. Like you, you know, you know, by way of God's word and you know, instinctively, right. That the cross is to be born on your back. So everyone is to see it. Everyone is to know that you carry this cross. It is not to be tucked in. It's not to be just glamorizing or, you know, what is that? Uh, what are we decorating your neck? But if you bear this cross, we must prepare ourselves. If we bear this cross, we must prepare ourselves for the type of persecution that Jesus said would be ours, that we were going to suffer persecution if we desire to live godly. So it's a conditional persecution. What's the condition? Well, if you don't live godly, if you're not living for the glory of God, then you probably can enjoy a pretty comfortable life because you're, you're not really upsetting anything least of all forces of darkness. But if you desire to live godly, 
if you desire to live a holy and righteous life in 21st century America, you should expect, and I'm going to say, go a step further. You should ready yourself for persecution. Plant your feet, ready yourself with a defense for the reason you live counterculturally, because that's the moment that we're in. And not only ready yourself, we're always saying this, ready your children and your grandchildren as well. We are out of time until tomorrow. Lord willing. God bless.